Me Mead for 93 WIBC. And I'm Rob Conant for 93 WIBC. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I am very focused on sharing with you ideas and thoughts about what comes next. While so much of media wants to analyze the current situation of Afghanistan, and I am appreciative that many of them are doing it honestly, openly, directly, and with focus, there is something else to consider. And that is what the future holds. Certainly, we could take a look at people like Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, who said just the other day it was wrong, it was, it was horrible to refer to, oh, no, I'm sorry, irresponsible, that's the word, irresponsible to call people behind the Taliban line, my word, Taliban line, people to, to call them stranded. It would be irresponsible to say they were stranded. And then the next day, Say after the withdrawal, it's done, you know, it's declared, it's done, everyone's out. If one U.S. citizen was suddenly discovered, you know, saying, hey, I really want to get out and I'm stuck, who knows where, somewhere in Afghanistan or in Kabul, he's got any problem, would this trigger a diplomatic, military, all hands on deck type thing to get that person out, whatever the date? Our commitment continues to be to U.S. citizens. If they want to leave, we will help get them out. Uh, again, we expect there could be some, uh, but I, I don't. I'm not going to get into it further. Go we ahead. expect there could be some. He gave you the hypothetical. If there's one left, what are you going to do? And now it went from telling Peter Ducey of Fox News that he was irresponsible to say that people were being stranded in Afghanistan, to saying that some will be left. Americans may very well forget, but what are the odds the world will? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Let me bring in Noah Rothman of Commentary Magazine and NBC News. Noah's latest, the largest hostage crisis in American history. Uh, My gosh, have you given up even the concept of pulling any punches here. So before we get into my questions, and I shared with with you a little bit of what I was interested in getting into when I, when I texted you yesterday, I want to make sure that everybody understands what you mean by hostage situation because that isn't the phraseology that you certainly have people saying out there, but as you describe it, it seems most apt and accurate. Explain, define. Yeah, I, and I think it was... Um... Peter Ducey during that press conference who really drilled down on what's happening here, um, in part because, as you, as you noted rather accurately, there's a, a large number of Americans, hundreds, perhaps thousands of American citizens and green card holders, to say nothing of the hundreds of thousands of Afghans who are SIVs or SIV eligible or even non-eligible interpreters who just worked, for, worked with American forces and don't have a status as as having, you know, being eligible for evacuation, they're all going to be left behind. And everybody's acknowledging this. I mean, whether you call it stranded or not, it doesn't really matter. You, you, will, you can create some kind of progressive euphemism for it, temporarily transportation deficient. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter. They are behind enemy lines and will stay there. And that's dictating the terms of this uh, Herculean, but nevertheless insufficient evacuation effort. Peter Ducey asked, 
Jen Psaki whether or not, based on what's happening now, um, essentially the Taliban and the chief uh, uh, commander in chief of the American Armed Forces have the precise same amount of influence over how our troops operate in this country. And that's absolutely true. Uh, if you were, if we are to continue to maintain the use of this one airport, this only airport, which our mo- very modest footprint is all that allows us to operate at this stage, we do so at the, at the Taliban's, Taliban's uh, behest and beneficence because they could disable this runway in a second. They can lob a couple of mortars on this runway, disable it, and no one's getting out of that country. Um, unless we operate, we approve a much larger operation. So in order to maintain their support for this operation, um, even if it were to go beyond you know, August 31st, we need to either consent to their demands, get out as soon as absolutely possible, or bribe them, bribe them into submission. Um, this is the, with a gun to our heads, quite literally. Uh, that is the definition of a hostage crisis. And we're not talking about uh, Iran, the Iran hostage crisis, which with 52 Americans, or the Achille Lauro, or half a dozen other you know episodes in American history. We were talking about Americans held hostage in the tens, which, by the way, tied the hands of American policymakers. Just one American hostage, who becomes a, a, a media sensation, can really cripple American policymakers. We're talking about hundreds, perhaps well, I was, thousands of Americans, I was... all of whom could be hostages. I was mentioning that you you heard the story that Congressman Moulton and there was a Republican congressman out of Michigan who decided they were going to Kabul. They wanted to see it for themselves. And my my first hot take was th- that's all you need to, to, to make the United States maybe move in, in the way you want them to. What an unbelievable coup. Now, someone could argue the Taliban wouldn't take a member of, of, of Congress. I don't have no faith that people who act out in irrational ways uh, may indeed do things where they feel that Joe Biden won't do anything back to them. So my, my I thought this was an unbelievably irresponsible thing to do. But even take Congress members out of it. Your argument, your point is, is that when you have Americans who can't get out, of course they are hostages. And one of the things that I had, I'll share this, I texted you is, what happens September 1st? It's the day after the deadline. And there are Americans still there. And then what happens on October 1st? And your point to me was a conversation, a bit of speculation. But I wonder if you've had time to think about that. Have we thought about what happens on October 1st or September 1st? Well, no. But first, I do want to take issue with the, the notion that co- the trip by uh, Congress, uh, Congressman Seth Moulton and Congressman Peter Mayer uh, was in any way irresponsible. It was not. Uh, members of Congress take trips to hot zones unannounced all the time. The only reason why you're seeing such theatrical apoplexy, people rending their garments over this as though it was somehow objectionable for America's elected representatives to bear witness to the world historic his humiliation we are suffering in Afghanistan is because they don't want you to see it. They really don't want you to see oh. what's happening here. And they really don't like it when they came back and said, guess what? We're not getting everybody out by August 31st. We're not getting everybody out by September 11th. I can not appre- everybody out, period. I can appreciate, Noah. And, man, you know, I've said this before. I, I have never heard you so hot. And, and, and yet you, you, I consider you on target in so many ways. 
I thought it was an irresponsible thing to do, if only because you're creating risks for us that are unnecessary. I did not take it. I, I, I will tell you, I mean, because it just came across. I did not take it as it means that people would see what's happening and the la- that's the last thing they want. So that's an interesting take, and, I, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll certainly take note of it. I thought it was an irresponsible uh, move because I didn't think that we're dealing with not knowing what's going on. We have an administration without question, that refuses to accept what's going on. They are acting like they have done something great. It was Politico that wrote the piece today that the White House wants their props for how well they're doing in Afghanistan. But nobody on the world stage, no other world leaders, whether it's Macron in France or Boris Johnson in the UK, are giving Joe Biden props. And that leads us to the next place. The American voter may forget. Especially if all Americans get out, American voters may forget. But the British and the French and the Germans are not going to forget. This is a conversation of long-term ramifications for Joe Biden over the next three years who may want to get something done on the world stage. How damaged is that ability for him to get something done? Quite, and I I don't know if it's quantifiable, but significant. Um, America's allies are fit to be tied over how they were misled, how they were lied to, how they were casually disregarded, how even they're presently being casually disregarded. London has been begging the administration to extend this timeline uh, beyond August 31st, and Joe Biden will not do that. Um, and more to the point, you know, our adversaries and, and our, our allies are smaller countries who are allied and partners with the United States who are, never, who are threatened by larger countries. It's the broader ramification. You, if you're a small state threatened by a larger state, which is perhaps revanchist, irredentist, China, Russia, that covets your territory, you really have two options. You can uh, balance against that power by you know, working with uh, a very distant but uh, militarily powerful nation like the United States. So that's, for example, what Vietnam does vis-a-vis China. That's what Ukraine does, the Baltics, what have you. Or you could just fold yourself into um, that you know the, this revanchist country's uh, sphere and, and and neutralize the threat that way and eventually become a threat to or an enemy of the United States and the West and that inducement is going to become more powerful for these small countries. We benefit from a lot of countries that balance against the, the aspiring hegemon in their region. That equation is going to become more difficult for these countries to make when it becomes apparent that the United States doesn't have the will, political will, or energy, or interest in defending their sovereignty against a broader power. And that's if that cycle accelerates, then you see a return of the kind of international environment that typified the 1930s, spheres of influence, where uh, regions are entirely cut off to and off limits to us, limits on the capacity to engage in global commerce. The open seas are no longer protected, for example, by American naval power because there are areas that they cannot access. They're denied access to those areas. Uh, that's the sort of thing that we can see a return of when American hegemony begins to decline. And that's the sort of thing that I don't think policymakers have really envisioned or care much about, frankly, because it's just it's it's sort of an unfathomable thing to imagine a return to a world that is typified by competing great powers. But that is precisely what is going to happen in the next, I imagined it in the next 20 years. It could be in this administration. If you are a covetous power and you see Joe Biden exhibiting this kind of weakness, you probably feel like you have a a small window of opportunity to secure gains, change the status of quo on the ground, and just tell Washington to deal with it. 
I would imagine that threat looms very large over American war planners right now. But this is what... This is what takes us to a, a question that I have been arguing has no place in the conversation. It's great to be with you. This is Noah Rothman right there from Commentary Magazine, Commentary.org and NBC. Me, I'm Tony Katz. You know that already. And it's the idea of whether or not we have to have these forward forces, these light footprints in areas, American forces out there keeping things on uh, cool, calm, and collected, keeping the, the, the temperature down. People want to argue that, well, we want it out of Afghanistan. This is the way it had to be. That's an argument that Joe Biden is making as if the only way it could have ever gone is with this chaos and Americans behind what I refer to as the Taliban line. There are others who, like myself, saying, no, 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 it didn't have to go like this at all if you engaged a proper withdrawal. But I did not mind the idea of withdrawal. Then there are people like yourself, one of the places where I think we disagree, that you have to keep some level of of forward. You have to have some level of, of presence. Is the argument that we have to keep a level of presence everywhere in order to ensure an America on top status quo. And if we don't, then we fall into this world that you are referring to, a world, as you uh, allude to, uh, hearkening back to the 1930s, that does no good for anyone. Well, I wouldn't say everywhere. I would say places where we have vital national security interests. Um and our very small, very low cost, very high reward presence in Afghanistan uh, was vital to the American national interest. And you see the Biden administration's own actions betray it. Joe Biden talks about how we, have, we can have over the, over the horizon strikes that will neutralize and disrupt and deter terrorist actions in the Afghan-Pakistan region. No, we can't. You can't do that without accurate intelligence on the ground, as we learned painfully in 2014 when ISIS forces began streaming over the border in, uh, from Syria to Iraq, and we subsequently had to reintroduce troops into Iraq, overflights and satellites don't cut it. You need reliable intelligence on the ground. And the notion that we can launch these strikes from the, the Persian Gulf is betrayed by the Biden administration's frantic effort to secure basing and overflight rights in the Central Asian republics. They know that they can't do this, what Joe Biden is telling you. Joe Biden is lying to you. More to the point, um, you know, people like to say, ah, we didn't have a casualty in, in Afghanistan since February of 2020 only because of this Trump deal. And yet we resumed airstrikes on the Taliban positions precisely four days after striking that deal because the Taliban violated its terms. We had ma- maintained that tempo of operations ever since up until May when Joe Biden pulled both air support and logistical support from the Afghan National Army, subsequently dooming them. Um, it was an engineered debacle. Likewise, we haven't suffered a casualty in, in Iraq since March of 2020 absent any sort of Trump-era deals with militant groups, in part because we maintain a very small footprint that is an advisory capacity. We operate from behind high walls using drones. We operate in North Africa in much the same way, in the Persian Gulf in much the same way, in the Indo-Pacific region in much the same way, the Philippines. These are very small troop presences. And the forward deployment allows us to have uh, operational relationships with friendly governments. We preserve those friendly governments, and we necessitate less involvement in the world. As this pullout has demonstrated, and as the pullout in Iraq demonstrated, when you do this badly, you necessitate more American involvement in the region. These are very low-cost options for preserving our national security, preserving American hegemony, and 
the sovereignty of our partner governments, ally governments that keep us from deploying in large numbers. When you do this sort of thing recklessly, it means we it necessitates more American involvement abroad. So it's absolutely cutting off your nose to spite your face. I know it sounds like a good populist refrain to say America come home 1972 George McGovern style, which is something that conservatives are oddly beholden to now, but it's absolutely counterproductive. I, I would I would argue that uh, what we're seeing is not something uh, that was um, you know poorly uh, done. It was something that was not done. A, a, a total lack of planning as opposed to a poorly operated uh, plan. But before I, I let you go, uh, thirty seconds or less, let's make the assumption that Biden has three and a half more years and he's actually going to last out the three and a half more years. Does he Does he have a friend in the world? Uh, the Taliban. Well, <laughs> and they've got to be thrilled with the guy. Man, when you're uh, telling Taliban jokes, things are rough, son. Yeah, it's not great. Um, everybody's very raw right now. I, I, I'm uncomfortable predicting how that goes in the future. Other issues will arise. The news cycle will move on. Um, times will, you know, times will change, and and the White House could write write itself and get its footing. Sure. Um, but yes, the long-term damage has been done, and that's not going away. The United States is the indispensable nation for our partners and allies as well. So there's a certain amount of relationship that you can't afford to risk. But that doesn't that doesn't happen entropically. You have to preserve that status, and you're not jealously guarding our status as the world's sole superpower. Noah Rothman, a Commentary Magazine, Commentary.org is where you find him. Also, NBC News, he does work there. Noah, always a pleasure. I've got more. I'm Tony Katz. So let me give you a quick story. There's a woman by the name of Amy Siskind. She's an activist and a feminist and an author and 500,000 followers on Twitter and as left as left gets. Let me give it before and after here, if I could. In August of 2020, uh, she was tweeting out, Trump is taking a page from Putin's playbook and uh, trying uh, to bully the FDA into making COVID-19 vaccine available before stage three of testing is complete. He will kill us all. That's what she wrote. Just the other day, let it rain vaccine mandates. This after the FDA approved Pfizer. This is exactly the kind of politicizing of the vaccine, which is really an inoculation, that I find despicable. This is everything that is beneath us and everything that has hurt all of us. What they were willing to say for their political purposes and what they say now, how could you trust anyone after reading this, after people following along this trash? Shameful. We're going to get more into vaccine mandates. I oppose mandates. The inoculation seems to work. There's some interesting data coming out. The result in hospitals, doctors and nurses will tell you what's what. Meanwhile, we got to fix the nurses nurse shortage. You know what we need? It's been a lot of heavy. Let's try and lighten it up. That's up next. This is Tony Katz today. First things first, I'm gonna say all the words inside my head. I'm 
I'm going to file this under no chance this lawsuit goes anywhere at all in any way, shape, or form. Spencer Eldon is suing Nirvana. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Who's Spencer Eldon? Well, Spencer Eldon is the baby that's on the cover of Nevermind, the album from Nirvana, 1991. Naked Baby, In the Water, Chasing the Dollar, I believe it was. Like, it's an iconic, iconic album color uh, cover. Yeah, the dollar's on, on a hook. And, uh, uh, the baby wants the, the money. It's, you know, teach, teach them young, that kind of thing. So this guy, who was the baby, he was four months old at the time. There are 17 defendants, and he's asking $150,000 from each of the 17 defendants, $2.5 million in damages. Why? He was exploited as a, as a minor. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you sue his parents then for agreeing to it? He's saying that his parents never gave their release in writing for the photos. Oh, he made And that Nirvana and the estate of Kurt Cobain trafficked his image as a naked baby. Okay, that you're, you're going too far there. 2008 reports uh, from 2000, reports from 2008, much better. Uh, a photographer or the photographer Kirk Weddle paid Eldon's father $200 for 15 seconds of work. So he did get paid. What year was this? 1991. Well, I have to look at the child pornography laws in 1991. Here's his argument. He's claiming that, quote, his identity and legal name are forever tied to the commercial sexual exploitation he experienced as a minor, which has been distributed and sold worldwide from the time he was a baby to the present day. He may have a case. Uh, He absolutely does not have a case. The Child Pornography Act was not founded until 1996. He does not have a case. What is his argument? There would be no way for me to know that that was him unless he told me. There is no connection that can be made from that photo to him. And since we know there was compensation given, one could argue that it wasn't enough compensation, and I would tell you to write better deals. It's still child pornography, whether it was compensated. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. By legal definition. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I don't think you've got that right. A picture of a naked child is not child pornography. By, if you're distributing it, yes, it technically is. It, that's art. That's not pornography. I'm just telling you the law. Pornography would involve the act. No. No, 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 no. It te- you, this, this is a tough one because it could be art. But by the letter of the law, it is technically, air quotes, child pornography. Show me the law. I'll, Come on. I'll send it to you. Send it over. Oh, this is going to be amazing. Now, you understand that no matter what, this is a flat up a nuisance suit. He's just a guy trying to get a couple bucks. If I'm Dave Grohl, by the way, this guy has taken pictures of himself as an adult with the album cover. He's not bothered by it. He used it for fame, and he probably had a couple girls be like, ooh, you're that kid? Has it gotten bigger? You know that happened! You know it, I know it. Wow, I've seen you naked. And he's like, you want to see again? And they were like, ooh. 
All right, maybe they didn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't sound like that. Please, please, Lord, don't sound like the creepy guy from Family Guy. What, what, that is that is the sign you should turn and run. That is not the right relationship. It's a nuisance suit. And if I'm Dave Grohl, pay him the two and a half million dollars, make him sign that he'll never bother you again, and put an end to it. You can pay him less than 2.5. He'll take less. Of course he will. He should take a punch in the face. The moral of the story is just get it over with and move on. By the way, if it's child porn, then why is he suing for $2.5 million? Shouldn't he just be suing to have those sick, twisted pervs thrown in jail? It's not clear it's child porn, but you, uh, okay. could, you could, if you had a really good lawyer, you could make the argument, but I don't think he has a great case. This is... This is just, just radically silly. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna see how it plays out, right? It, it, it isn't the only thing going on uh, out there. There, there is good news out there. You've got Andrew Cuomo. I'm a he has been stripped of his Emmy. He's left office. The Emmy is now gone. The International Academy announced today that in light of New York Attorney General's report and Andrew Cuomo's subsequent resignation as governor, it is rescinding his special 2020 International Emmy Award. His name and any reference to his receiving the award will be eliminated from International Academy material going forward. I think this is obscene. Andrew Cuomo saved us from ourselves, guys. Do we forget the darkness we were walking through in the world of COVID? The lies told to us by Donald Trump. Oh, the lies. Never mind the lies told to us by Anthony Fauci or Dr. Deborah Burks or Jerome Adams. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. What? Confused? That's fine. Do what we say or we throw you in jail or something worse. Who knows? And there was Andrew Cuomo. All right, agreed. Don't no said we're going to throw us in jail, but the day's not over yet. There was Andrew Cuomo to lead us out of darkness and into the light. His press conferences were masterful. They were full of hope and promise and honesty that America needed at that moment. Without Andrew Cuomo, trillions of people would be dead right here in the United States. So said Joe Biden. All right, maybe he didn't say that, but you would believe it. If he was so masterful for his effective use of television during the pandemic, why does he have, did that somehow go away? You're like, well, you know what, on second thought, he wasn't masterful. He was just kind of a giant jerk. Honestly, I think it's wrong. I think it's absolutely wrong that Andrew Cuomo had this Emmy taken away from him. Are you going to do that every time? Um, Am I going to do what every time? If I say Andrew Cuomo. Okay. You've answered my question. Thank you. Did I do something? Oh, that wasn't you. That was just God. Oh, oh, after you, after somebody says Andrew Cuomo. That just happened. That's that's amazing. That just happens automatically. It's unbelievable. Just, just, just the way it is now. Just the way it is. 
In good news for some, I guess, OnlyFans has decided that, yes, indeed, sexual content can continue past October 1st. Yes, 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 yes. Look, I get it. The people who have the conversations uh, and, and, and discussion about um, sexual exploitation, they're, they're not wrong. I oppose sexual exploitation. I oppose force. But adults engaged of their own free will in contract with other adults, man, I don't get involved know-how. I think you could discuss a, a moral conversation of it. I think you could discuss a socialization conversation of it. But I don't get involved, and I don't appreciate it when banks threaten credit card processing. They do. They threaten it. They threaten credit card processing. Oh, we won't, we won't take your deposits. Oh, we won't allow these merchant accounts to take place. Why? It's, a, it's an adult engaged with an adult in contract. What, what are you getting up? What are you getting worked up about? This is what they want to do to gun manufacturers. Oh, it's a gun. Oh, we're not going to accept that. Who the hell are you? If you will accept the bank accounts of a group that believes in suing others for improper use of pronouns, you are going to accept a gun manufacturer or an ammunition manufacturer. What are you out of your head? And by the way, since uh, a bank is a government-regulated entity, I believe you should be forced to do it. (gasps) Did Tony just say he favors force? No. Tony said that there have got to be rules. And government is different than we the people. If it is indeed incumbent on a government to force the idea of the public accommodation, which means you serve the customer in front of you, You can't discriminate. You can't say no Jews. Although I believe that a restaurant or any place else can say no Jews. No gay people. No black people. No white people. No women. No men. No blondes. Etc. I think you could do it all because I believe in actual freedom. And actual freedom can be dirty and ugly. But it's the best game going. I don't think it's a smart thing to do. I'm saying you can do it. Government cannot. Government cannot discriminate at all, in any way, on any subject, at any time, including the businesses that utilize the entities that government controls. Banks are one of them. Come at me, bro. So no, banks don't get to decide. They don't get to say, we don't take that kind of industry. Now, if you say to me, Tony, they don't take child porn. See, man, that's come up twice. Well, I would agree with you. Why? Because that is not adults of their own free will engaging in contract. That is the exploitation of children being used against their free will. Of course we should oppose it. Tony, you wouldn't agree with the selling of heroin online because heroin is illegal. That's Can such I a bad help argument. you? What, what's a bad argument, Ari? <laughs> well, you can't sell other heroin on my like, point to you of is, course. What? My point to you is you can the people who say you can't sell firearms, you can't sell ammunition, they have no case whatsoever because it's a legal product. But you would clearly have a case as a bank to say no to things that are illegal products. That's my that's my point. I'm making it as simple and as clear as could possibly be. Obviously. 
But these people think that they're allowed to say, oh, we don't carry that. Oh, we it's like Google and YouTube. And they are, oh, we, we don't allow uh, tobacco. We, we will not advertise tobacco. Cigars are not cigarettes. Cigars are not cigarettes. So why am I getting punished as a cigar smoker? Now, I, I will tell you that I've been watching this, and I see this as a great opportunity for my cigar show, Eat, Drink, Smoke, which is net, we're now 70 stations across the country. EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. If you haven't gone and checked it out, Cigar and Bourbon Reviews, myself, Fingers Malloy, it's fantastic. It's going great. We see this as a great opportunity for us because as a show, we have the ability to share and provide advertising for the people in the cigar and spirits world uh, all across the country. So we see ourselves as a, as a place these people can go to because Google's going to shut them down. But Google is wrong to do it. The fact that they can, well, one could argue, or should they be able to while still getting 230 protections, but I'll leave that for another day. They can, they shouldn't. No, that the people can make decisions for themselves. If you want to say you're not allowed to market to kids, and if you're marketing to children, we stop you. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. So as for OnlyFans, uh, you know what? They're more than welcome. Go, go to work. I said I was going to create an OnlyFans account. Did I tell you about my OnlyFans account there, Ari? You should not do that. Did I, did I tell you about it? Uh, I guess I want to hear it now. Sure, go okay. for it. So, so here, here, here is my OnlyFans account. I need, I need some OnlyFans. No, you don't account. need OnlyFans music, Tony. I, need, I do. I need, I need some that's, OnlyFans that's porn music. music. <laughs> that's not, no, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. So, so here's my here's my OnlyFans account. All right, here, here's my OnlyFans music. Camera is there. Scene opens up. A white room. A red leather chair. You almost think it's the Matrix. I enter. Full suit. No tie. I sit down in the chair. Pull a cigar. Out of my pocket. I cut it. I light the cigar. And for the next two hours, I smoke a cigar and don't even look at the camera. Hey, hold on. I'm calling Shark Tank right now because I just got a billion dollar idea I just heard. That is my OnlyFans page. I am the cigar-smoking log. That's what I am. It's just me smoking a cigar. I don't even look at the camera. I don't think you... Like, we have a... My wife and I have a friend who does OnlyFans and makes just ridiculous money. Like, you wouldn't believe ridiculous money. So why aren't I doing this, Ari? The thing she does you would not be able to do. Well, clearly, and I don't even want to know, but totally tell me afterwards. Right? Do me a favor. Tell me after we're off the air. Oh, no. Like, I totally... <laughs> Why do you keep playing that? Well, because I'm asking for the info off the air. Clearly, I'm a creep. But uh, I, I, I don't know if it would make money, but it's worth a shot. Is it, though? Oh, why not? Why not? Because then, I don't know. It just... I, I don't... OnlyFans is for sex stuff, dude. Like, you're not going to... It's like, you know, why don't I put an episode of Eat, Drink, Smoke on Pornhub? Like, you could. It's not going to get views. People have been telling me I should put it on Twitch. That's completely different than Pornhub. I can't believe you're comparing the two. 
Uh, people, when when YouTube started demonetizing, people looked to Pornhub as a place to put stuff because they allowed people to speak. I know, but r- really, I well, I'm not there. But it's it's clear that that Facebook uh, and Twitter and everything else is throttling. So you got, you got to find new ways. I actually do have an interesting way of creating a community around what we're doing. And it's an interesting idea that I'm starting to, to, to flesh out. I'll share more of it in the coming days. Meanwhile, if you like my uh, OnlyFans idea, let me know on Twitter and I'll, I'll get that started right away. I'm Tony Katz. So it is being reported... That Delta Airlines is going to impose impose a $200 monthly fee on unvaccinated employees starting November 1st. Story comes out of CNBC. So you decide not to get vaccinated and you get fined by your employer. So you're paying for the privilege to make your own decisions about your health. You and your doctor decide you getting the vaccine, which is an inoculation, isn't right for you. And Delta says, that's fine. $200, please. Now, the question is, how did they come up with $200? Are you telling me that you're allowed to risk the health of all the people on board a Delta flight for $200? That's how it's going to get played. You're telling me that people are buying their rights in America? That's how it's going to get played. It's getting uglier by the second. Meanwhile, Afghanistan is uglier by the half second. And Congresswoman Victoria Sparts. We've got it all. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz.